Good mornings, I'm Chris Oaks, and coming up today, back in the studio with a postscript to yesterday's Silent Watch event. The Department of Veterans Affairs is aiming to help vets take charge of their overall well-being by building on its whole health approach. We'll explain. Also this morning, to your health, three simple ways to manage your numbers for Cholesterol Education Month. We'll get a preview of all of the area matchups in week number seven of the high school football season. Can the Trojans capture lightning in a bottle again? And we have a delicious crockpot dinner that's perfect for these chilly evenings from Kyra's Kitchen. This is the Good Mornings Podcast Edition for Friday, September 30th, 2022. Today is Ask a Stupid Question Day. (laughs) I remember back in my school days when the teachers would tell you, there are no stupid questions. What I've come to find out, as I have uh, gotten out into the real world and experienced life, yes, there are stupid questions. (laughs) Yes, indeed, there are stupid questions. Today is Ask a Stupid Question Day. It is Chewing Gum Day. Extra Virgin Olive Oil Day. (laughs) Does extra virgin olive oil really need its own day? Uh, Apparently. International Blasphemy Rights Day. International Podcast Day. So if you are listening to the podcast this morning, uh, thank you. It's International Podcast Day, International Translation Day, National Hot Mold Cider Day, National Love People Day, National Mud Pack Day, and it is, it says here, the time for yoga. (laughs) All right, then, it is the time for yoga. It's, It's always the time for yoga. So, um... Back in the studio today after being on location yesterday for the Silent Watch event downtown. And uh, what a moving uh, ceremony that was, a a moving event. Um, uh, Very, uh, it really gets you. I mean, when you think about, when you see the... uh, see the event or, or see the display there and then realizing what it's all about. If you missed yesterday's program, speaking of International Podcast Day, if you missed the program yesterday, go back and check out the podcast. It is uh, such a an important issue. And uh, thanks to everyone who helped make that possible to call attention to the uh, issue of veteran suicide yesterday. Back in the studio today, it is good to be back in the warmth. <laughs> it was a little chilly yesterday morning. So, but we're not complaining. I mean, you know, yesterday we were out, it was it was kind of chilly and I spent the rest of the day kind of shivering. I was all bundled up because it was just, you know, very very chilly. It's not really cold yet, but being out there for that extended period of time, we were out there for like 3-4 hours uh, during the course of the the program and it just it got to me a little bit. But we can't complain because it certainly is nothing like the weather they have seen in Florida this week. And this was kind of interesting uh, in the wake of Hurricane uh, Hurricane Ian. The New York Times uh, 
published a piece. I would call it, I would call it something of a hit piece on uh, Ron DeSantis, who now is the governor of Florida. Back in 2013, he was just a freshman congressman from the Sunshine State who voted against federal aid for New York as they were struggling to recover from the damage caused by Hurricane Sandy. And he was one of those uh, congressmen who voted against federal aid, saying it was an irresponsible boondoggle, a symbol of the put-it-on-the-credit-card mentality that he had come to Washington to oppose. Uh, The uh, Times piece brought that up yesterday when now Florida Governor Ron DeSantis went on Fox News to outline his request for full federal reimbursement of costs associated with the damage brought on by Hurricane Ian. So I I can't say it's a hit piece. I mean, it is certainly his record. I bring that up. And, and yes, Ron DeSantis did say that, but he was a freshman congressman at the time and certainly has a different perspective now. And uh, and so you can forgive the fact that he has a different perspective. But at the same time, I suppose it is a valid point uh, in any event. So uh, even if you are not in Florida, this was kind of interesting on the uh, Newswire. Even if you're not in Florida, the hurricane can impact what you see on shelves in the coming weeks. Since the storm hit Florida's citrus belt, one-third of orange groves could see damage, meaning that the price of orange juice may be in for a big spike in the not-too-distant future. U.S. orange production already at the lowest it has been in more than a half a century. A uh, fertilizer plant that supplies farms throughout the country could also be impacted, which could have a ripple effect on crops. So... Uh, It is not just uh, Florida that will see the impacts of this. They do say that it should not impact gas prices that much because the uh, drilling rigs in the Gulf of Mexico were out of harm's way. So unless there's damage to a pipeline somewhere along the line, uh, we should be okay with gas prices. But might notice a spike in orange prices. And... Uh, I guess we're going to get some of the after effects of Ian eventually. Uh, We get some wind, maybe a little rain, but it should be all rained out by the time it gets here. But they're saying we could see some wind uh, as the remnants of Ian. So we'll see. So we are not necessarily completely immune from this, but certainly the uh, worst of it. Did you uh, see the every event Every event in the news has got to have a viral celebrity. Did you see the viral celebrity uh, coming out of Hurricane Ian is a guy by the name of Mike Ross, who has gone viral because of his heart of gold in the middle of a hurricane. Uh, Apparently, he saved a stranded cat from the floodwaters. The cat was had taken refuge on top of an air conditioning unit. Uh, on Wednesday in the town of Bonita Springs as the water was rushing in. The very wet, very scared 
orange and white kitty seems to be in good condition. And uh, apparently his girlfriend uh, had posted video of the rescue attempt as he rescued this uh, kitten from the uh, hurricane. And uh, commenters praised Mike for saving the little kitty and uh, also pointed out that his girlfriend, Megan, should hurry up and marry him. <laughs> because if not, somebody else is going to scoop him up. <laughs> I just think it's wonderful that uh, Megan took the time to uh, video her boyfriend and post it online in the middle of a hurricane. I mean, certainly it's her priorities were right there. <laughs> I've got to post this online. <clears throat> but he is the uh, viral celebrity out of uh, Hurricane Ian, apparently. Uh, a couple of other uh, stories uh, among the most interesting and buzzworthy items to get your Friday morning started. Uh, apparently, inflation is hitting everyone. We mentioned uh, that we might see uh, prices prices spike for uh, orange juice and uh, other things as a result of the uh, hurricane. Inflation, of course, has been very much in the news over the past several months. And apparently, no one is immune. Even Cracker Barrel is getting hurt by inflation. And I thought this was kind of interesting. It says, uh, even the, this is the story, even the moderately priced sit-down restaurant chain Cracker Barrel is being impacted by inflation. Its customers, particularly those over the age of 65, which if you've ever been to Cracker Barrel, you know that a, a pretty good, sizable part of their clientele are older folk and uh, they are skipping out uh, or they are skipping not skipping out they're not skipping out of their bill or anything they're skipping dining out um at least or at least going less often because their budgets are being squeezed company officials told investors in an earnings call that business was slower than usual over the course of the summer especially when gas prices were so high that people stopped driving any more than necessary uh, but uh, they say that this is also carrying over into the fall. Even as gas prices have eased somewhat, people still seem less likely to go out to eat during the autumn months, at least so far, and it is uh, hurting their business in particular. So that was uh, kind of interesting. You know, in the uh, hurricane, they have the Waffle House Index. <laughs> Uh, you know how bad the hurricane is based on uh, whether the Waffle House restaurants are open or closed. And here we have the Cracker Barrel Inflation Index, apparently. That's and uh, this may be the most interesting news story you hear through the course of the day. I'll let you chew on this here. Research out of Florida State University College of Medicine has revealed that the COVID-19 pandemic, yes, we're still talking about this, the COVID-19 pandemic changed people's personalities. Now, not because of anything that COVID-19 did per se, but I think this obviously has more to do with how we reacted to COVID-19, and it changed people's personalities. Younger people were the most dramatically affected. Over 18,000 people were assessed over three periods of time, pre-pandemic, early pandemic, and later in the pandemic. Uh, extroversion, uh, extroverts, 
Uh, extroversion, openness, and agreeableness declined overall. The longer we went through this pandemic, the more pronounced that became. Younger adults, in particular, became moodier and more prone to stress, less cooperative, less trusting, and less restrained and responsible according to the authors of this this study. And I would have to say, I, I can see that. I, I don't doubt the results of that study at all. I think we all probably encountered that on one level or another over the course of the pandemic. The longer this went on, the more stressed, the more irritable people were, the less restrained they were. We all saw examples of that during the course of the pandemic. Uh, less trusting overall, really kind of interesting. And they talk about the uh, long-term impact of the uh, pandemic, not just uh, in terms of the disease itself, but the whole thing taken in totality. Kind of interesting stuff there. The most interesting and buzzworthy stories to get your Friday morning started. WFIN News, I'm Matt Demchek. Your WTOL 11 weather, partly to mostly sunny skies, expected today, a high in the upper 60s. Partly cloudy tonight, a low around 50. Police say they're getting closer to finding the person who called in fake active shooter alerts to several Ohio schools last week. Investigators say at least four of the eight phony 911 calls made last week came from the same person. The caller identified himself as James Park and gave different phone numbers. One of those numbers took investigators to California, another to Florida. The FBI says they're working with local law enforcement agencies. Finley High School was one of the several Ohio schools affected by those active shooter hoax calls last week. An area north of the Blanchard River in downtown Finley will be undergoing some big changes over the next few years. We spoke with Mayor Christina Mern, where some rundown properties were being removed for the planned downtown recreation area that's part of the Phase 2 benching project. I'm super excited for the work that really this is just kind of step one of the work that's going to be put into this downtown area. And I think over the next year or so, people are going to really see it being transformed. The mayor says the downtown recreation area will be from Main Street east to the railroad tracks and from the river north to Clinton Court. And she says the new recreation area will also extend a little west of Main Street north of the river. Get more on the plans on the website. The Better Business Bureau of Ohio is warning people interested in donating to hurricane relief efforts to do so cautiously. Here's what the BBB recommends to look out for. Make sure the charity is legitimate. The BBB has a list of accredited charities online. Is the charity upfront about its disaster relief efforts? Does the charity have a presence in the impacted areas? And vet charities that claim 100% of donations go to victims. We recommend that you always go to your chosen charities directly to their website. Don't follow those links that you get on social media. I'm Clay Gordon. Hancock Public Health is encouraging people to get their flu vaccine and has scheduled several clinics in the coming weeks. Clinics will be held at the Macomb Public Library, 50 North in Finley and other locations. Get more details on the website. Remember, you can always get more news online anytime at WFIN.com. I'm Matt Demchek with 1330 WFIN and 95.5 FM.
Well, as something of a postscript, if you will, to yesterday's Silent Watch program highlighting veterans' mental health, the Department of Veterans Affairs, in its ongoing mission to empower and equip veterans to take charge of their well-being, their entire well-being, is shining a light on its whole health approach that is shifting from a largely problem-based care system to a patient-centered system. Joining us to explain is Dr. Kavitha Reddy, Associate Director of the VA Office of Patient-Centered Care and Cultural Transformation. Dr. Reddy, I'll ask you to explain the idea of whole health, the whole health approach, because you can do it better than I can. What is this and, and, and how it works in the context of the VA? Yeah, the whole health approach is really our way of being able to empower and equip veterans to take charge of their life and live out the goals they want for their health and well-being. And what this really means is we are shifting from thinking just about diseases, problemless, and symptoms. While those are important, we want to actually shift to thinking about the whole person. What are the areas that impact their well-being? What brings them meaning and purpose and joy in their life? Where do they want to put effort to uh, develop an even better quality of life? Maybe in their relationships, their environment, their movement, how they access resources for their family. All of these impact their overall well-being. And so this is really a whole person approach. And this is not, this may sound familiar because we've seen more uh, health systems and uh, uh, health uh, insurance programs and so on kind of take this approach, uh, embrace this idea uh, of whole health. How long has this been sort of an initiative of the VA and how difficult is that transition, uh, as we said, from a problem-based care system to this patient-centered system? Because as we all know, the VA is a big government agency and sometimes it's like trying to steer the Titanic. Well, patient-centered care has been an important priority of the Veterans Administration for decades. And the work of the whole health approach has really been going on for the last 10 years. And in the last several years, we've seen such a deep impact on our veterans' well-being that it's it's been very exciting to watch the growth. Uh, For example, we have over 900,000 veterans using the whole health approach to date. And when we evaluate how this approach is going, we see a deep impact on quality of life, activation and engagement around setting goals. We even see an impact on chronic pain and opiate use. Um, So the change is happening, and we work very hard to bring in veteran partners, health coaches, complementary providers, all so that our veterans can access this very comprehensive care. You kind of touched on the uh, what I wanted to ask next, and and that is how do you measure the success of a whole health approach? Well, we look at this from many different areas. First and foremost, we want to know that our veterans are able to use the system and feel that it's impacting them. So the testimonials from our veterans are probably the best piece of what we can share. And we see this time and time again, veterans sharing on their improved quality of life, their ability to play with their grandkids, to fish with their buddies, to be able to walk up and down their stairs at home. These really impact quality of life and allow them to then set further goals for their health and well-being. But we're also looking at how people are using prescriptions. As I mentioned, opiates for pain have come down. Mm -hmm. How many procedures they need. We're able to look at many variables that tell us that the quality of life is improving. 
And as you lay it out and explain the the approach and and what it means for veterans it strikes me that it is not just the veteran who benefits but uh family members caregivers uh really everyone surrounding uh, the 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 veteran that is really really so true we know that when people have a good support system they can accomplish their goals much more successfully for our veterans that may mean their families and their caregivers and it also could mean a support group of their fellow veterans and so the healthcare team, it includes clinical providers, but it's much more expansive now to include their peers as veterans, the coaches, as I mentioned, and the complementary instructors and providers. And with that in mind, uh, are, are there resources that are available uh, for that extended family beyond the uh, veteran himself or herself? I mean, are there, can, can others access uh, the uh, VA kind of uh, whole health uh, program or some of the resources you have involved with this? Yeah, that's the great news about this. Most of our resources are on our internet site and public facing. And that internet site is va.gov slash whole health. This is really a wealth of information to get anyone started on thinking about personalized health and whole health. And families, caregivers, even the public can access this today. Um, you can also download the Live Whole Health app on your smartphone as another way to get started on thinking about your health and well-being, and that's open to everyone. Now, uh, I would imagine that in on, on some level, this is kind of a philosophical shift to the uh, whole health approach, but is this something that like a, a veteran with the VA uh, or getting uh, help through the VA has to opt into uh, this this program, or is this just kind of the way of standard operation is becoming at the, uh, at the VA? Uh, so whole health is a priority of the Veterans Health Administration, and so it absolutely is the way we want to do business here, mm -hmm. and it is a part of the veterans' benefits. So it, it's not about opting in. They can choose which kinds of approaches they want to engage in. I see. But it is all available to them. Again, uh, Dr. Kavitha Reddy is Associate Director of the VA Office of Patient-Centered Care and Cultural Transformation, which is really kind of what this is when you think about it, a, a different way of looking at what health and well-being means for veterans and those uh, within their circle. And uh, you mentioned the website. Uh, let's mention that again and how uh, someone gets started with uh, whole health and those resources through the uh, Veterans Administration. So the website, again, is va.gov slash wholehealth. And if you are a veteran currently in the VA system, feel free to ask your care provider how to get involved with the whole health approach. And if you are a family member, caregiver, or veteran, uh, or public member out there, feel free to check out the internet site to get started today. We will link that up on our webpage as well, so folks can check out those resources. Dr. Reddy, thanks very much for taking the time. We appreciate it. Thank you so much. Well, September, as we mentioned day before yesterday, is Cholesterol Education Month. And uh, joining us this morning, the volunteer president of the American Heart Association, Dr. Michelle Albert, with some uh, more information on the importance of tracking your cholesterol levels and uh, some ways to manage them. And uh, Dr. Albert, you have, in fact, three ways to manage one's cholesterol levels. Let's start there. 
Yeah, so I want to uh, reframe your question a little bit and say that um, for persons who've had a heart attack or a stroke, um, they need to know that they have heart disease now and that they are at higher risk of having a, a new, another heart attack or stroke, higher than someone who's never had a heart attack or a stroke. And there are certain risk factors that actually increase that risk. Um, they also should know that, that having had angioplasty and stenting, that is opening the blood vessels that give blood to their heart if, they're, if they've had a heart attack and placement of a stent, doesn't cure their heart disease, that mm. they still have heart disease. So now getting to your question, Chris, um, the things that then are really important for patients would be, one, um, making sure your cholesterol levels or your lipid levels um, are under control. It's important to note that the lipid level has four different parts to it. It's the total cholesterol, the good cholesterol, which is the HDL cholesterol, the bad cholesterol, which is the LDL cholesterol, and the triglycerides. Triglycerides are a me measure of fat, so those are also not good. And what you really want is once your doctor puts you on a cholesterol-lowering medicine after you've had a heart attack, usually a statin, you want to make sure that your LDL cholesterol or your bad cholesterol is less than 70. And I think that's really, really important for our public uh, to understand. The next thing is, is lifestyle changes, meaning making sure you have uh, the uh, appropriate diet, uh, making sure that you're choosing nourishing food that emphasizes fruits, vegetables, nuts, and seeds, and lean protein and fish. Um, you know, some folks are allergic to seafood, um, so then the, 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 the lean would be towards, um, you know, a, a more like veg vegetarian type you know, okay. sort of diet, uh, minimizing um, red meats. The other thing is increasing your physical activity levels. Um, ensuring that you exercise five days a week at least, 30 minutes a day to 45 minutes a day, and that could just simply be walking. And if you live in a neighborhood where it is not safe to walk, um, develop a buddy system where um, you can walk with friends, maybe in a YMCA or another community um, place mm -hmm. uh, to uh, be able to get the physical activity in. And also that helps to decrease your stress level because you're actually talking to you know friends and right. family as you walk. Um, and it becomes a lovely activity. Um, worth pointing out that, again, we talk about this in the context of, as you mentioned, someone who has had a heart attack or a stroke and the increased risk they are for having another one. Um, but especially with respect to the proper diet and uh, and exercise, these are important steps uh, for for everyone, uh, regardless of whether you've had uh, any issue with heart disease or not, to stave off that. Absolutely. Um, so this message also rings rings true for um, persons who are have never had a heart attack. And right. I want to say that you know with the increasing uh, levels of uh, weight um, in our population, mm -hmm. uh, the this is tied into, you know, your risk for diabetes, risk of having higher cholesterol levels and so forth. So even if you haven't had a heart attack yet, um, it's important to, to control your cholesterol levels and also not to smoke. Yeah, that and control your blood. That actually was going to uh, be my next question about, uh, you know, other steps that we can take uh, to keep our hearts healthy in the first place. Right. So we already talked about uh, diet and physical activity. I would say that you shouldn't, if you smoke, you should, you need to quit. Mm -hmm. And 
this is true whether you've had a heart attack or if you've not had a heart attack. For right. persons who've had a heart attack or stroke, and especially if you've had a stent placed, um, smoking can actually cause that stent to clog up um, and, and counteract your all the other things that you're doing. You may be being physically active. You may be, be uh, you may be trying, you may be losing weight. You may be even on your statin. But if you're smoking and you've had a stent, it actually counteracts um, the known medicines that we know work. Other things to do would be um, ensuring that you get adequate sleep at night. Um, that means getting between seven to nine hours of sleep at night um, to ensure that you're, um, you're restful in, in your brain. Um, and obviously your brain uh, controls a lot of activities in your body um, that relate to many, many different organs, including your heart. Um, the other thing is ensuring that um, you manage your stress levels. We've talked about the stress already. Mm-hmm. Physical activity helps with stress levels. Um, talking to friends and family, getting social support are, are ways to manage stress. And if you feel that you're overwhelmed with anxiety or depression or your stress levels are really high and you're having problems controlling it, you're down and blue, you feel really nervous all the time, um, it is going to be very important to uh, seek professional help. Um, so talk to your okay. primary care doctor um, so that you can be plugged in to receive professional help. All great advice. We mentioned uh, September Cholesterol Education Month. Uh, Dr. Michelle Albert, again, a volunteer president of the American Heart Association with us this morning. Where do we get uh, more information on all of this? Obviously, best source of information is going to be your doctor. Uh, but in terms of uh, general information, you have uh, a lot of information for folks uh, at your website, right? Yes, absolutely. So as you mentioned, Chris, um, th- your doctor hopefully will personalize your information to you. Um, however, we know that in healthcare, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a doctor and, um, you know, time is compressed. Um, the American Heart Association has many, many resources, uh, targeting <clears throat> across the, you know, different populations in the public. And so actually go to heart.org, um, for information and also heart.org backslash cholesterol. Dr. Albert, thanks very much for taking the time. We appreciate it. It's been an honor. Thank you so much. Well, I'll tell you what, there are a lot of really intriguing storylines heading into week number seven of the high school football season. Can the Trojans use last week's thrilly win over Fremont Ross as a springboard to a strong finish to the season? i tell you what, I was listening to the tail end of that game in our broadcast last Friday night, saying to myself, what just happened? And then later I saw some of the highlight video and it was just jaw-dropping. A great win against a state-ranked rival. Just the kind of thing that coaches love to use as motivation to you know, push a team that has struggled early on, had their struggles like, like Findlay has, uh, into a strong finish this season. So we'll see if they can capture lightning in a bottle again. Meanwhile, over in the BBC, it is one of the biggest games of the year as Arlington and Macomb hook up for what could be the league title game, ultimately. But the Red Devils will have to overcome the loss of their starting quarterback to remain unbeaten. Coach's Corner host John Marshall gives us a preview of all of the area action tonight, week number seven. I'm John Marshall with this high school football preview. 
the marquee game in the Blanchard Valley Conference is our broadcast game of the week. Arlington welcomes the Macomb Panthers into Doncaster Field. The Red Devils are 6-0 heading into week 7 of the season with Macomb at 5-1. The Panthers are dinged up quite a bit with seniors Thane Steinbrook and Grant Dishong out for the rest of the season. Macomb coach Chris Algy on their options after the injury to their starting quarterback. It's sort of a 2-3 quarterback system and we just do what we have to do to make us a better football team. If we have to play three quarterbacks, we play three quarterbacks. You can hear that game on 100.5 WKXA and WKXA.com tonight, starting with pregame at 635. The rest of the BBC slate sees Liberty Benton visit Riverdale, Tandor Gilboa makes the trip to Van Buren, Corey Rawson is at Arcadia, and in a non-league matchup, it's Van Lu at North Baltimore. Findlay is coming off of a wild win over Fremont Ross, but they'll have to be ready to play when they go to the Glass Bowl to face St. Francis. Findlay coach Stefan Adams. Their D-line, last year they worked a lot of havoc, a lot of movement, things that gave us uh, headaches, just quick guys. And when they use those movements, they can cause some confusion. And if they cause confusion and we're not in the right spot, they can get home to our quarterback, which we don't want to let them do. That game is on 1330 WFIN, WFIN.com, and 95.5 FM tonight with football programming starting at 610. Other Three Rivers Conference games see Lima Senior go to Whitmer, Fremont Ross hosting St. John's, and Clay goes to Toledo Central Catholic in a battle of 5-1 teams. In the Northern Buckeye, it's the Battle of the Woods when Eastwood visits Elmwood as two 6-0 programs collide. Faustoria is at Otsego, Lake flies to Genoa, and they'll fight like cats and dogs when Rossford meets Woodmore in Elmore. Games of local interest in the Northern Ten include Upper Sandusky at Colonel Crawford and Cary at Mohawk. In the Northwest Conference, Bluffton is on the road with Lipsick. Bluffton coach Jeff Richards. I think they have maybe the most dynamic player in the league, and their quarterback and their running back might be the best running back in the league. Elsewhere in the NWC, Allen East hosts Delphus Jefferson. Spencerville is at Ada in a matchup of 1-5 and five teams, and 4-2 and two Columbus Grove goes to Crestview. Locally in the Northwest Central Conference tonight, the neighboring 4-2 and two teams Harden Northern and Upper Scioto Valley at Lockhorns. In the Western Buckeye League, Ottawa Glandorf gets a visit from Salina. That game is on our sister station, 106.3 The Fox. Wapakoneta is in Elida to meet the Bulldogs. St. Mary's gets a visit from Kenton. Defiance goes to Bath Township to meet the Wildcats. And Shawnee and Van Wert hook up on the Cougars' home field. Once again, it's Findlay facing Toledo's St. Francis from the Glass Bowl tonight on WFIN. And Macomb visits Arlington on 100.5. With his high school football preview, I'm John Marshall, WFIN Sports. A lot of great action, and you can follow it all in real time on the WFIN High School Football Scoreboard page, powered by ScoreStream and sponsored by Owens Community College. We've got it linked up at our webpage at goodmornings.net. So here is how the playoff picture looks with four games left in the regular season. Remember, the top 16 teams in each region will advance to the tournament. Finley sits 17th. In Division One, Region 2, so just outside the top 16, but with a lot of football yet to be played. In Division 5, Region 18, Liberty Benton is 15th, Elmwood is 2nd, and Bluffton is 18th. In Division 6, Region 22, Cary remains 1st, Hopewell Loudon is 9th, Patrick Henry 11th, Riverdale is 13th, and Van Buren tied for 20th. And in Division 7, Region 26, Again, that big showdown tonight. Macomb is number two, Arlington number six. Pandora Gilboa sits eighth. Lima Central Catholic right behind in ninth. Mohawk is 11th. Harden Northern is 12th. 
and Lipsic is number 19 in D7 Region 26. So... A lot on the line here as we uh, get into the uh, crunch time period of the uh, high school football season. And again, you can follow all of the action right here on air and online. 1330 WFIN, WFIN.com and 95.5 FM. We interrupt this program to bring you a broken news alert. Today's update on the odd and unusual side of the news brought to you as a public service, more or less, of Hancock County Veterans Services. Dateline Honolulu, Hawaii. A man is behind bars on suspicion of trying to rob a local store with a so-called finger gun. (laughs) Security camera footage uh, from Wednesday morning shows the man walking into the business with a handkerchief over his hand. It appears he might have been holding a handgun, but Honolulu police say he was just pointing his fingers in the shape of a gun. <laughs> when you want to rob a store, but you don't have a gun, well, you make do. That's. <laughs> he was trying to grab the cash register key from the clerk, but ultimately failed and decided to leave. You know, because he, because he couldn't shoot anybody. Bang, bang! <laughs> The uh, 22-year-old was arrested that afternoon after cameras caught the license plate number of the moped he rode away on. (laughs) Oh, goodness. He's had a great getaway vehicle, too. I mean, what was he going to do? What was he going to do if he actually got uh, got money from the cash register and they you know, sounded the alarm? Police are rushing to the scene and he's scooting away on a moped. <laughs> oh, this whole thing was doomed from the start. <clears throat> Some people just aren't cut out for a life of crime, <laughs> as it turns out. Uh, let's see. You know, this is homecoming season. You go on social media, even if you don't have kids, you know that this is homecoming season because you go on Facebook and everybody is posting their photos of their teenagers uh, in their homecoming get up and, and all of that. It's that time of year. We'll do it again in the spring when it comes prom time. But homecoming season, one high school in California had to reschedule its homecoming dance after the gymnasium was found infested with bats. Davis Senior High School was supposed to hold the dance last Saturday, but the uh, the whole thing was uh, made impossible by a bunch of bats filling the school's gymnasium. The uh, school says uh, they called Animal Control, who informed them it's going to take a while to evict those new residents, the dance will be rescheduled as soon as possible. <laughs> Man. <clears throat> yeah, probably a good idea to postpone the dance. All of the bats. Uh, so this is one of those uh, stories. I saw this uh, on the Newswire, and I thought, what can possibly go wrong? At Gillette Stadium, home of the New England Patriots, they have a mem- the uh, Foxborough is in Foxborough, Massachusetts. Foxborough Board of Selectmen have amended the stadium's liquor license to allow for self-serve beer. <laughs> self-serve beer at the stadium. 
Now, they're doing this on a trial basis. Customers will insert a credit card, place a cup under the tap, and choose from one of four options. Attendants will check for valid IDs and sobriety. Oh, they're going to have an attendant. Why don't they just have somebody pour the drink? I don't understand. But anyway, the goal is to limit overcrowding at concourse concession stands. Self-serve beer. What could possibly go wrong? (laughs) What could possibly go wrong there? Self-serve beer. All right. Police in Grand Island, Nebraska, are investigating a large-scale beef theft. You heard that right. Authorities say a carrier company loaded up two semi-trucks, two semis, with fresh beef at a JBS facility last week, but the beat never made it to its intended destination. Investigators say the stolen beef is worth more than $277,000. How do you unload two semi-loads of beef? That's a lot of meat right there to unload is there somebody come up to you on the uh, street hey want to buy a t-bone <laughs> i get a good deal in a porterhouse i can give you it's either that or somebody is planning one whale of a party that's man and finally in the broken news this morning a man who forgot to put his debit card back in his wallet after a trip to burger king is out more than $750 after a shift manager got a hold of the card. Here is the story. A Palm Beach County man, this is Palm Beach County, Florida, I believe, right? Uh, yeah, Palm Beach County, Florida. Man woke up to numerous fraudulent charges on his account after dining at a local Burger King. It turns out he had left his debit card behind and an employee had found it. Now, the employee was honest. He gave the uh, card to the shift manager, and it was the shift manager who initially put the card in the store safe, but then, after he got to thinking about it, fished it out and went on a shopping spree with his girlfriend. Uh, Jamie DeMont Jacobs, uh, let's see here, is the uh, shift manager... The uh, the guy who, oh, okay, his girlfriend, here's the story. Uh, his girlfriend, Zakiria Brown, showed up at, he called, he called his girlfriend, he found, uh, put the card in the safe, then fished it out, called his girlfriend. She showed up a few minutes later, and he gave her the card, which she then used to buy $300 worth of goods at a local grocery store. Nearly $400 worth of items at a local Walmart, and then $60 worth of gas at the local Wawa <laughs> station. She then went to Taco Bell to get some food, but suddenly this card stopped working. Uh, Ms. Brown and Mr. Jacobs were arrested. Uh, she claimed that she had used the card to buy items for her daughter's birthday party. Um... As for uh, Mr. Jacobs, the uh, manager, the shift manager of the uh, store, he initially denied knowing the woman. (laughs) This is supposedly his girlfriend, and he threw her under the bus, um, even though he was caught on security footage giving her the stolen credit card. Uh, 
uh, Mr. Jacobs tried to defend himself by claiming that he thought the customer had just left a generous tip. <laughs> I thought it was a tip. <laughs> he left his credit card as a tip. Try to sell that to a judge. <laughs> Mr. Jacobs, uh, the news report goes on to say, has since been fired from the store. I'm not sure if it was because he used the uh, credit card or uh, his girlfriend uh, actually tried to use it at a Taco Bell instead of, the, you know, just supporting the competition. That's reason enough to get rid of him. Uh, anyway, both have been charged with trafficking in stolen property, possession of stolen credit cards, illegal use of stolen credit cards, and fraud, fraudulent impersonation. So, <laughs> just a very bad day all the way around. So, I swear, I thought he just left a tip. There you go. That is uh, today's broken news report. This update on the odd and unusual side of the news brought to you as a public service, more or less, of Hancock County Veterans Services. We now return you to your regularly scheduled programming. Wake up and text. Text and eat. Mm-mm. Text and meet up with a friend you haven't seen in forever. Hi. Oh, hey. Text and complain that they're on their phone the whole time. <sighs> Text and listen to them complain that you're on your phone the whole time. Uh. Text and whatever. But when you get behind the wheel, give your phone to a passenger. Put it in the glove box. Just don't text and drive. Visit StopTextsStopRex.org. A message from NHTSA and the Ad Council. This message provided by WFIN. And now your daily download, the numbers behind the news and the statistics that shape our lives. If you ever feel like you're just kind of going through the motions, living life on autopilot, uh, you are not alone. I think we all have that feeling from time to time, but a new survey finds the average person spends four hours a day or a total of 10 years of our lives in sort of a copy and paste routine doing the same thing over and over. Like I said, I think we all do it occasionally, but this survey finds that for many of us, it is a constant thing. For example, uh, 64% of those in the survey say they eat the same breakfast every morning. They catch the same train to work or they drive the same route to work every single day. They file the same reports at their desk and do a myriad of other things that they can't even recall doing they can't even list them all it's become so rote and they do this to the tune of a numbing 1396 hours a year considering this it is not surprising that nearly 80 percent of those in the polls poll of 2,000 people 80 percent say that they feel stuck in a rut and this rut they say prevents them from learning a new skill or achieving their financial or other life goals I thought this was kind of interesting, and I see myself in this number. 51% admit to procrastinating when it comes to doing things that they know they should be doing. And I am really bad about that. I mean, I'll know that there's something that I really should be doing that I've been putting off. I really should get this done, but I'm not motivated, and so I'll just continue to procrastinate, put it off um, until I can't anymore. Yeah, I'm really bad about that. So I I certainly uh, can relate to that. And this, I thought, was uh, kind of interesting. We apparently recognize that we are in this rut, and we'd like to do something about it, but 61% of those in the survey said that they have bought a self-help book 
but didn't finish it. <laughs> and uh, that, I think, is just a perfect personification of the very problem that we buy, buy, bought a self-help book, but we can't even finish that. So... <laughs> My wife, Kyra, has joined us in the studio now, and big food news. Oh, yeah? M&M's oh. has revealed a new purple candy. Purple. 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 Uh, the uh, chocolate company, it says, made the announcement in a video posted online showing a purple peanut M&M joining the gang of classic characters like red, yellow, and green. Really? Yes. Well, they have purple at Halloween. Well, yeah, but purple is the company's first ever, the purple character, okay. right? Okay. Uh, is the company's first ever female peanut M&M. Oh, so okay. big news. Okay. Big news. First ever female the, the peanut M&M. Peanut M&M. Yeah. So the plain M&M is green. Yeah, the green female, is a plain. And yeah. that's the female. Right. Yeah. Right. Okay. And okay. you know why the green one is female because there's that uh theory that she likes christmas <laughs> no <laughs> like me there's there's the theory that green and m&ms are an aphrodisiac and so that's why, why she's she the is female. uh female uh because it plays off of that uh you know okay oh saying you need but to get you anyway. some more green m&ms what I'm just moving on here. <laughs> so, a uh, new purple m and I knew purple. you would be interested in that. Yes, because I like it. I know you love your M&Ms I wonder and you why love the M&Ms characters. The so. Purple. Anyway, Interesting. I'm sure that there's a story. We there probably have, is. We have a uh, terrific uh, recipe uh, here, a collection of uh, recipes. This is for a uh, great uh, crockpot dinner on these fall, uh, chilly fall evenings. Yep. This is yep. absolutely yeah, delicious. Yeah, we had this last night, and it was perfect for it last was. night. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. This is crockpot chicken and gravy. Yes. So a half a tablespoon of olive oil, three medium chicken breasts, uh, a quarter teaspoon of salt, quarter teaspoon of garlic powder, or a half a teaspoon of garlic powder, a quarter teaspoon of paprika, a quarter teaspoon of pepper, and three and three-fourths cups of chicken broth divided. And then for the gravy, you're going to need two tablespoons of butter, four tablespoons of cornstarch, three-fourths a teaspoon of dried parsley, a quarter teaspoon of paprika, quarter teaspoon of onion powder, and salt and pepper to taste. So spray your crock pot with your cooking spray. Mm -hmm. uh, place your chicken breasts in the crock pot. Drizzle with olive oil on both sides. And then uh, sprinkle your seasonings on. Uh, on top of the chicken breasts on both sides. Kind of flip it over, put some on, flip it back, put some more on. Um, and then pour in three cups of chicken broth and cook on low for six to eight hours or on high for three to four hours. Okay. Then add your butter and and let that melt and then shred your chicken with a couple forks. Uh, then in a small bowl, whisk together your cornstarch with your remaining chicken broth. Then pour that into the crock pot. Add your parsley, your paprika, and your onion powder. Mix until combined. And it, it's going to be a little cloudy at first, but but don't worry. That's just the cornstarch. Gotcha. And once okay. it starts Nothing thickening up. Nothing to worry up, about. Nope, Nothing to see here. Yep. Yep. It starts thickening up. And uh, cook on high for an additional 20 to 30 minutes. That will help that. 
thicken up, that gravy thicken up. Uh huh. Then season with additional salt and pepper if needed. If you don't need it, don't. And then serve with mashed potatoes or noodles. Mm. It is uh, really, really yeah, yummy. It was really good. Um, and and it's interesting. Uh, you you're not really shredding that chicken. Yeah. But some of it does come apart just naturally. Oh yeah. So yep. yeah, it's really yep. uh, really good. Um, you said you can serve with noodles. You do have a recipe for buttered noodles. Yes. So for buttered noodles, eight ounce uh, fettuccine or spaghetti pasta, a half a cup of butter. Uh, that's one stick. Uh, one teaspoon of garlic powder. One teaspoon of Italian seasoning. A quarter cup of shredded Parmesan cheese and your salt and pepper to taste. So cook your pasta according to your box directions. Drain and set aside. In a large pan or skillet, melt your butter over medium heat, add your garlic and Italian seasoning, whisk to combine, turn off heat, add your pasta, add your pasta to the pan and toss toss it to coat, then add your Parmesan, toss that to coat, and then serve. Really so simple. Really easy. Really simple, and you can have that with your uh, crock pot chicken and gravy. Yes. Good stuff. Uh, for dessert... We, we have Munster Cookie Cake Balls. Yes, so I made Monster these. Munster Cookie Cake Balls. <laughs> with M&M's. Uh, so you could do those with M&M's. I do I do them oh, with M&M's. Oh, you do do them there with M&M's. There is M&M's in them. Okay. Because Munster Cookies always have M&M's in them. That is true. Yes, so... Um, this I did last week for my uh, great nephew's uh, birthday party, and they, they were, were gone. They were a hit. <laughs> they, they were these were gone. a hit. I and was hoping so, to have a few of these yeah. left over, and they were gone. I'm going to make some more. I so, promise. Right. So, so monster cookie cake balls. So pre bake your yellow cake, or if you want, get a yellow cake from from the um, okay, so grocery store. So you start store. with a with mm-hmm. a made, made yellow cake. cake. Okay. Yes. Uh, you're you're going to kind of uh, break that up in your um, mixing bowl. Add one 16-ounce container of vanilla frosting and an eighth cup of creamy peanut butter and then one cup of mini M&M's and I forgot an ingredient. Oh my gosh, people. I'm so sorry. So um, a half a cup of uh, quick oats. Half a cup of, of quick, quick oats. oats. Yes, okay. so we'll need to add that. Yeah, a half we'll a cup. Put, put that yep. up there because the uh, recipes are already posted Correct. Uh, on the uh, yes. Facebook page, but we will yeah. add that yes. to make sure that we. Uh, yeah. Yeah, so we'll and then edit that. One cup of mini MMs and one 24 ounce package of your almond bark. Uh, melting chocolate that's okay. decoded. All right. So form your balls, uh, form your dough into a half to three four inch rounded balls. Place on wax paper. Uh, cover the cookie sheet. Freeze for at least one hour or so. Um, and if it's overnight, that's fine too. Uh, melt your melt about four blocks of your almond bark in the microwave dish for about sixty to ninety seconds. Uh, remove from the microwave, stir until all the chocolate is melted. Then insert a toothpick into your frozen cake ball. Dip that into the melted chocolate, and then just set it on uh, wax paper on a sheet of wax paper. And do that for a little while. You do like you can do like three, four, five uh, of the cake balls, and then you can take out the toothpick and use those toothpicks over again. Or you don't have to. You can just keep on going. Um, this um, recipe probably makes about oh geez, I would say around twenty-five to thirty cake balls. Mm. Um, and then you um, would think that that would be enough, but yes, no. Yeah, yeah <laughs> you're yeah, going to want to make a couple batches. It's, yes, because they will go quickly. They go quickly, <laughs> and so then. 
then uh, to cover up the toothpick, just take a, some of your extra chocolate and cut oh, it. Oh, cover up the hole by the toothpick. You don't want to cover up the toothpick. Take the toothpick out. Take the toothpick cover out. Cover up the hole. Cover up the <laughs> hole, the little poke hole, uh, with just a drizzle a little bit of chocolate on top of it. Cover yeah. it up. And then uh, until you're ready, place in a storage container until you're ready to enjoy. Very good. Uh, I, we edited that Thank uh, you. on the uh, recipe. That was on my the, bad. On, uh, you could tell this was my recipe for sure. Because <laughs> I forgot something. Because you forgot something. <laughs> uh, so that is uh, corrected on the uh, Facebook page. Uh, by the way, all of uh, these uh, recipes, the Crock-Pot Chicken and Gravy, the Butter Noodles, the Monster Cookie Cake Balls, are posted on the Kyra's Kitchen Facebook page at Kyra's Kitchen WFIN uh, on Facebook. We'll get them linked up uh, from the WFIN Facebook page. And, of course, uh, you can find them linked at goodmornings.net as well. My wife, Kyra, thanks very much. You're welcome. And that will finish up our podcast for today. Thanks to all of our guests for joining us on the program this morning. Remember, you can get more information about all of the topics that we talk about each day on the show at our webpage. Go to goodmornings.net. So until Monday morning, that is Good Mornings for this morning. Now that you've had a good morning, go on out and make it a good day, a great weekend. We'll catch you back here next week.